This is Hospitality in Our Community, a podcast for industry by industry. Hospitality in Our Community is brought to you by the Tasmanian Hospitality Association on behalf of the industry in Tasmania. Welcome everyone to show four of Hospitality in Our Community. We've got the regular boys, Dave, Dave and Nick. Welcome, Nick. Howdy. How are you, mate? Good. Let's make sure we speak in the microphones well, boys, because there's been a bit of echoing in the first couple. I think it's Foster's breathing, to be honest, but... Mr. Noonan, He's, how are you? He has got a big voice. It reverberates around the room, doesn't it? Big everything. Mr. Foster. <laughs> Welcome here. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> That's better. Happy that I've made the trip down and uh, what a beautiful day it is in Hobart as well. Northwest Coast, how was it when you left, mate? Uh, raining? It was lovely this morning. It was raining. Uh, and then I done the um, over the Great Lake and it was bloody cold there, let me tell you. But the lake is, the lake is about 11% away from being full. So it looks fantastic for all those people that are interested in that. Did you call in and see James Johns with a marvellous development they're doing at the lakes? Yes, looks pretty good up there. It's going to be fantastic when yeah. Johnsy gets that done up at the lakes. Yes. It's, uh, I was talking to him uh, last week, I think it was, and uh, he reads it's going great guns. So yeah. it's going to be a must-visit place. We might have to do a podcast from there when it opens. Sounds pretty good thing, to me. <laughs> one thing that I have found on my trips this last little bit, there's a lot of uh, venues that have done some work to their venues. And uh, when, once we get things up and running again, I think the people will be quite interested in going into some of these venues that have actually shut the doors for a while. They've cleaned it all up, painted it, put new bars and stuff in. So uh, there's some really nice stuff out there sort of happening. So as soon as we get the borders open and people bums on seats. Get rid of the restrictions, we'll be right. So um, there's been a couple of big announcements as we uh, talk today. I think the government's gone out today and announced that they're going to do phase two of the voucher system. So they're going to put another five million into more vouchers for accommodation around the state. How do we feel about that, Rones? Yeah, look, I, I had a hookup uh, last week with the accommodation division, and they were run off their feet um, two days after the last announcement of, of vouchers. So it'll be really, really good for some of those regional areas to to get people to start to ring up. And they, to be honest, they want them to ring direct. They don't want them to go through booking agencies. They'd rather ring direct so they can get uh, the full towed odds. So I don't know how you guys have been feeling around the other, around the other parts of the state. Oh, it was like click frenzy, wasn't it? <laughs> you had to be on the first 15 minutes. How, how do people ever get onto those things? Like, I've never been successful in getting on a flight sale or anything like that. I don't re- – re- that's the only criticism. It's very difficult for people to get onto it. You've got to be there right at the beginning and nail it. Because didn't – what, they went in about – 40, oh, 45 yeah, minutes. 45 minutes. My four yeah. kids tried to get, get on there, but they had no luck. So, uh, But then again, we are from the northwest coast and we might be a little bit slower up there, <laughs> but I noticed that most of them all went down south. But I'm surprised that maybe, <laughs> that maybe this next five million might go to the north of the state. Well, you'd hope that if the southerners got it, they might go and visit the northwest coast, mate. Once they went up there, mate, they wouldn't want to come back. Oh, true. But you come down here often enough, so... <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think the voucher system for all accounts, I chatted to the Premier about it yesterday, sounds like it's been great, another five mil invested. What we want to hope is that obviously the people who go to some of these regional areas especially get out into some of our restaurants. And I know, Dave, you've been doing a lot of work with the restaurants around the place. What's the feedback like with the restaurants? Well, they were, initially they were disappointed that they weren't included, but a lot of them have realised that if people are going to an area and they've got money that has been given to them to spend on accommodation. They should have a bit more disposable to spend in a restaurant or a cafe. So that's the theory, and I presume that's how the government was looking at it. So, yeah, they've come to terms with that, and I think they're really happy with it. All the feedback is that these people are going to regions, not to Hobart necessarily. Um, Hobart's not necessarily getting a lot of that, but they certainly... The East Coast's on fire. 
Yeah. Um, some of the places down south of Hobart, up the Duant Valley, even. So. And school holidays starting next week. I think I know from chatting to the premier yesterday, he was wanting to make sure that it doesn't all get used in the uh, school holidays period. So I think it's going to be after that. He's obviously hoping that he can open the borders soon or quicker than the first of December, which I think everyone will agree will be fantastic if we can get the borders open a bit earlier. Everybody, uh, they're quite happy to keep the borders shut if, uh, I mean, if they've got to be shut. But let's get Tassie up moving. You know this. Um, you know, only having half the venues full and stuff. That's what's really hurting the. Yeah, the one in two, the one in two, still killing people all days. Yeah, well, the th- interesting thing about the borders that I'm getting from all the venues is they don't really know what it means. There's no clarity on it whatsoever. So the following things are coming up: Will there be enough flights and co- connectivity? Will it be expensive? Will people have money to be able to spend to travel? And will there be a sentiment for people to want to travel, given there's still a bit of fear around COVID. They don't know really what it means to travel. Is there going to be a third wave or a second wave? So there's still a lot of uncertainty for businesses and none of them are planning on a big uh, visitor-based summer. None of them. I haven't talked to one person who's expecting it to be a boom summer. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, and we can talk about things like, without getting into it, Taste of Taz and all those sort of events, but I'm talking events around Christmas, summer period. You're going to, we're going to have to question whether they go ahead, but you think about all the events we look forward to in January. There's racing carnivals. There's all sorts of summer racing yeah. for the racing industry, which is a massive thing. If we don't get borders, we don't get restrictions eased, it's going to be tough for some of these things to go ahead and actually... You know, things like race clubs, I think, of horse racing clubs, that they struggle to survive as it is. They make all their money pretty much over the summer racing carnival. If we don't get some clarity by sort of January on some of these things, it's going to be very hard for some of these codes to continue as well. Has the Premier given you any indication at all whether the border opening will coincide with a change in public health restrictions? Yeah, I had a chat to him about it. I think that the, issue, have. the <laughs> issue around um, whether the borders open early or not or when they do, the restrictions are still a tough one because if we open up the borders, it means more people are going to come in, which means, yeah, in the health advice words, the risk goes up. So I think they're, they're aware of the fact that they need to try where possible to ease restrictions, but they've got to balance that up his words, with the fact that if we do open up the borders, you're going to get more people in, which does expose the risk. So I think they're still wary about the whole one in two, the stand-up drinking and stuff, which obviously I've given him quite clearly our industry's point of view on that. I mean, our, our view is very clear is that at the moment we should have the borders locked down if, if there's still dangers for the moment, but we should be able to get rid of restrictions as we talked about before in Tasmania and get people out and about. We should let venues make the money while they can, to be frank. So that if we go through another wave, um, businesses are in a position to deal with it. Yeah, I couldn't agree well, more. We, we spoke a bit about this, Dave and Dave, didn't we, before we went to air here, is w- what's happening now, Aldi, is there's... Um, you're right with that, uh, Roscoe? So, <laughs> just something just fell from the shelf, that's all right. Uh, but w- what what's happening is we're driving people to backyard sheds and, and community halls, which we've seen in the media. And it, run us through. Come on, you've got some examples, Ryan. <laughs> Spit it out. Tell us about your daughter. Uh, uh, <laughs> I won't use a name, uh, but let's call her... I don't know. Um, no, we won't use Somebody anyone. <laughs> Exhibit A. So someone, yeah, someone that I know, a good friend of mine. Anyway, um, so so they haven't got the opportunity. Like this young person turned eighteen during all this, so they haven't got the opportunity to go to a controlled environment where there's RSA or anything like that. So a lot of the times they're going to backyard parties um, where I think the limit's meant to be twenty at a household, and it's a hell of a lot more than that. Like uh, we had a graduation. uh, dance the other week as well up in the north, and there was three hundred people at a at a backyard party. Uh, we, I was allegedly someone was picked up at, at three a.m. in the morning, <laughs> and there was a a, a few um, young adults that were a little bit out of control. 
in a, in a controlled environment, a pub or anything like that, you've got RSA. You've got people watching out for them. And at the moment, you haven't got that in currently what we've got now with these restrictions in place. You're turning people to their own little sheds and backyard places. And like you said, and there's no control at all there. They can drink whatever they want and, and virtually do whatever they want. And and that's something that we've got to be aware of that's, yeah, that is happening out there. Well, I know, I know of some instances where there's been Airbnbs that have been um, paid for and... I call them kids, but you, they are young adults. They're 18-year-old people that are using these venues so they can get together with like-minded people um, and there'll be two or 300 people and they're trashing the place. Mm. So is that in the best interest of our community that we've got around here in Tassie? Well, it's part of the messaging we've got to get out to the community too, and we've talked about this from a hospitality perspective, is the risk is venues have got the, the role to make sure that they do the right thing in their venue, but we, it's also up to the general public to make sure they behave within the, the rules and limitations. I mean, if, if people are going to... If people are going to breach out and do the wrong thing and do those sort of backyard pays or whatever, they're going to need to wear the consequences, which is we go through another um, round of COVID. It means businesses shut, livelihoods are done, their mum and dads might be put out of work or whatever it is. It is going to have massive impacts on Tasmania if we go through another, if we go through another COVID thing. So I think all, and I know this is sound like government preaching, but all of Tasmania has to take responsibility for this. It's not just up to hospitality venues. It's not just up to business people. It's not just up to the Premier to, to voice you know, the rules or whatever. It's up to every Tasmanian to follow the rules. And I think you know, we've got to be aware that we, you know, as much as we push to say ease restrictions and stuff while the virus is news, we all do have to take responsibility though. The end result is if it does come back and we do get the virus again, which inevitably, let's be honest, if the, if the borders open, it is going to come back at some stage. It's how do we control it and live with it? I mean, I think we're all agreeing on that. I, th I see you, the point, but the, what Rains is saying is true, is that the government has, has got restrictions currently and that's forcing people into those sort of behaviours where they would be better to remove restrictions and, and really be funnelling people into... 100% agree. All I mean is it, if, they, if the rules are going to be this, we're going to have to follow them because if, if we don't follow them um, on the health of ICN results, we're never going to get to the point where they're going to use the restrictions for us because I agree, the frustration for me is, is that our members and the operators out there in hospitality land are... A lot of them are struggling, and we know that this coming Sunday, JobKeeper One finishes. Um, for us, and I believe, you know, Dave, you've talked to a lot of restaurants. My worry is, is that some of these ones are working on a false economy, and that their staff are paid for by JobKeeper. Come Monday, they've got to fork up the money for them if they're not eligible anymore, and that is going to put some really heavy burdens on some of these venues. Well, last Friday, I talked to one, so they've been on JobKeeper. They've done as well as they possibly can, so they're probably sitting at about ninety percent now. Uh, but that means that they still he's worked out that they're going to lose a grand a week. So they've made the decision as of last week to chuck it. So they'll be closed. This particular venue will be closing at the end of October. Uh, and he's gone out and got a job. Um, so that's the sort of thing that's going to start happening. I've talked to really solid venues who you guys would know who have said that if things don't, they're making no money. Yep. In fact, JobKeeper has been subsidising staff who are on visas who they couldn't get JobKeeper for, yep. uh, their own JobKeeper. And that if it keeps on going like this, in the next 12 months, they'll really revisit whether they can survive or not and whether they want to survive because it's just too hard. So the long-term impacts on the industry could be massive. Oh, huge. And this is where the government's got to really, federal and state, they've got to be aware, and, and local, because they have a role to play here as well. They've got to realise this is a 12 to 24-month problem and recovery. And then you talk about JobKeeper going. The other thing that everyone's saying to me is they're really worried that when JobKeeper and JobSeeker go down and progressively go down, that there'll be less money in the community being spent 
on disposables, like going to a cafe, having a, a um, smashed avo and, and, and a... I'll settle down. Yeah, come on. Uh, you are from Launceston. Do you, have, do you know what an avocado is, right? I don't even know the shape. What are you smashing? <laughs> <laughs> you would with an axe. I'll tell you, I'll touch on one thing. When, when, when is health going to be not in control of the, of the state? Yeah, it's a good question, Rain. We've asked the Premier that a few times. While we're in a state of emergency, like we are, obviously Darren Hine and the health um, people have control. And I think it is a good foil for government, not being rude, it's a good foil for government to hide behind in that you can continue to use that. And we have pushed for a while to say that they should ease out of this. But having had a chat to the Premier yesterday, you, you, I can understand his concerns because his, his issues to deal with not just Tasmania at the moment, it's what's, what's the state of happening in Victoria, what's happening in New South Wales, all those sort of things. And obviously they have National Cabinet where they get together with information. But um, look, we'd love to see health lose that control because I think um, the general nature of health is they're going to be um, you know, overly tough, and especially on industries like ours, let's be honest, it's about alcohol and all those sort of things, whether we like it or not, they're going to be tougher on our industry. So we do need to get to the point where I think the elected members of parliament take control of the situation so that, again, they think of the long-term issues around there's a health issue at the moment, there's also a long-term economic issue, which is if we don't come out of this, and like Dave said a while ago, if we don't have a decent summer, um, summer period up to, let's say, Christmas, New Year, whatever it is, a lot of these businesses are going to go under. So then, And they're not short-term. Once a business goes under, they don't recover from it. Mm. And I've heard stories of businesses that have said, like you, Dave, they couldn't get JobCare or whatever, so they've mortgaged the ha- remortgaged the house to yep. basically keep the business going. You know, the fact I've looked at the stats under superannuation, I think there was something like 8,000 Tasmanians under one scheme that took out super under those systems and stuff. If you're taking money out of super, you're working on a false economy, which is you're taking money from your savings down the track to fund you through a short-term period. That is not sustainable and it's not a, it's not a strong economic thing to be doing. The facts are that, as I said, I think it's a quarter of the people reached into their super. That is not a good sign. See, don't forget with health, though, every time you go to a, um, um, a health practice and you go for an operation... Called a doctor, mate. A doctor. doctor. <laughs> well, they, every time you go to a doctor, um, which I probably should go, <laughs> but no, uh, they give you the worst-case scenario. Always the worst-case scenario. This is what you could happen, you could die, blah, blah, blah. 99.9% of the time that doesn't happen. So once the health people are making all these decisions, they are being very, very cautious. And I think that you know, that's their role, is that... Yeah. Uh, so maybe it might be time to ease up on them a bit. Well, the economy is not the health people's concern. Oldie, what's the word from the government on uh, how airlines are going to get connectivity going again? Because that's a bit, a bit of this story. We're going to open our borders, but are we going to have flights? And what level, what cost? Is there any discussion about yeah, that? One of the, no, the conversation with the Premier again, like, oh, geez, I sound like the government. The, the <laughs> conversation last night I had was that... Change of the role simple, for you. The simple reality is, is that if we're going to ease the borders at a certain time, we've got to know about it weeks before that. So airlines, and also people, you can't just say we're, st- we're going to ease borders from today and just think that suddenly people are going to start jumping online booking. Obviously, you've got to get the airlines on board. Yeah, the spirit's got an impact. People need to make uh, travel plans, etc. So one of the things the Premier did commit to me last night was saying whatever date he decides the borders are going to open, obviously weeks before that he's going to have to announce it so people can start jumping on. I would have thought that the fact that Tasmania and the flights we have from Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland, etc. would be... Um, filled pretty quickly, as in they'd put planes on those routes pretty quickly. I would have thought they'd be jumping on them, to be honest. And I would have thought, if, if we take all the data that tourism's put out over a number of years, Tasmania being a great place to visit, on the on the list of everyone to do, I would have thought post-COVID, Tasmania's going to be the place to go to. Well, it'll be overseas. You can do your overseas trip. True. 
I agree with you though. I, I think um, I've talked to a couple of people in very senior hospitality positions who've done research that show that Tasmania is still the most searched place in Australasia. So we're, we're in a prime position, but we've still got to have that connectivity. And the other thing that, that in terms of getting ready is venues. They've got to get staff. Yeah. They've got to get their program in place. So they've got to know a month or two months ahead so they can start building up to having some sort of rush. 100%. You've got to get the staff. You've got to get your, your booking systems in place. You've got to get a lot of things in place, let's be honest. So um, yeah. Yeah, there, there, there needs to be a notice period that those people are aware. And I think the Premier is fully aware of that, um, that he's going to do it. So Roan's uh, member issues. Energy is obviously a big one for me. I know that energy over the period has been a big issue, but for a long time, energy is one of the biggest bills that the venues pay. Yep. I know with our deal with energy ROI, I think there's some unbelievable results we're getting out of it. Yeah, look, uh, energy energy typically is a supply and demand thing, Aldi. So um, at the moment, you, you wouldn't believe it. Like here, 18 months ago, it was the lowest that the energy price has been for a long, long time. But all of a sudden, COVID come along and the demand wasn't there. So there's, there was excess energy. So therefore, it's driven the price down even further. So at the moment, if you'd contracted, um, let's say, 18 months ago, you, you would now save around 20 to 30% off your bill. So it's come down even more. Um, from, from the experts that I speak to, what they are telling me is the next two years is good, and then the third year it increases by about um, 5%. So if it was me, I'd be contracting out now probably only for a couple of years and then, um, and then revisit on that journey, probably six months out from your contract date. Through the THA partner that's got the contract. <laughs> well, I was about to get to that, mate. Thank you. Cash for comments. So Energy ROI are a partner of ours. Um, uh, they're an energy broker. So we've been going around uh, all our venues with the GCA contracts and we've been putting out there um, the deal that we've got out there. So we've been to market twice so far. So collectively we try and get a, a, a bulk load so we can actually purchase the, the energy or energy ROI can purchase it at a cheaper price then those energy savings will go into every member. So, I mean, it is your biggest cost, apart from some of the bigger venues with um, staff costs. But the energy, if you can save some significant amounts there, it'll help you get through what potentially what you're going to go through in the next 18 months. Yeah, I know I've heard some great, great, great results on it. What else has happened in the member world, just before we get on to a couple other topics? Oh, mate, mainly everything we just spoke about. Like the frustration with restrictions, like we've just spoke, spoken about, um, people want to get... 100% capacity back in their venue. So at the moment, majority of their costs are coming in and they can only get 60% of people in there. So that's that's the real big thing that I hear from, from people that I go and see, go and visit. Um, I, I speak to over the phone. I don't know. Is that the same it's from the you same. guys? It's the same thing. It's I know we spoke about last last time. Yeah, but nothing's changed in that, like virtually in that month. So... So it's the same issues. Do you know, the frustration is um, I can understand if we had a case 30 days ago and that's what people are starting to get to now, that we haven't had a case for, is it 100, 120 days, something it's like that. So that's where the frustration is with, um, with, like we spoke about, with health in control of all restrictions. So that's, that's the main feedback I'm getting. So there's another feedback that I'm getting as well, that some venues are doing the right thing and then some venues are not doing the right thing and then... That's causing friction between uh, the patrons coming from one venue to the next. That was a point that was mentioned to me a couple of times as well, is that we're doing the right thing, but the venue down the road's not. So, uh, you know. Um, and it's, and it's hard to run a balance. I mean, I've had this conversation with people. You've got the balance of venues um, 
you know, if you do the wrong thing and we get it back, then it's, everyone's going to be dragged down. But then you get the, and I can quite understand it when I talk to operators and they go, mate, the difference between me having X people in my venue or not is my livelihood and this business going break. Now, I'm not saying break the, break the law, but I do sort of go, look, geez, it's easy, it's easy for, for me slash politicians slash health people to make decisions on these things but if you're an operator whose money is on the line you can't get money in you can't pay for your staff you're gonna your business is going to fold or whatever you know desperate times mean desperate measures i don't advocate it but i can also understand both sides of the fence it is a frustration but geez it's a hard one that's why i guess we call to get these restrictions eased in tassie while the borders are shut let's get people into our venues while there's no virus around and then um get the numbers up but we're going to move on because we've got a few other people to talk one of the things we are doing range you'll be interested is putting out an an action plan to the government next week in relation to what we want to see. So um, for the industry out there, um, we're working on that. It's going to have a raft of issues in it. JobKeeper is obviously one of them, but it's going to focus on all the issues that you guys have just discussed uh, that we know that the industry wants us to fight for. So we're going to put that to government next week and trying to seek some answers. But rest assured to everyone out there, we are fighting hard for the industry. So... Um, a couple of, so what we're going to move on to shortly is we're going to do a couple of interviews. We've actually got a couple of new staff in here that you would have seen wandered around. So we've actually got Brad Upton. So everyone in, I think Tassie knows Brad Upton, who was the state manager for Lion. He used to be at CUB plus a raft of other things. Brad's come on as my new deputy CEO. So we're going to interview Brad about what his role is. And um, we've also added uh, Caitlin Barry to our crew. So Caitlin's our comms media specialist. So... Um, she'll obviously start taking control of this podcast, which might get it back on track <laughs> at some point. So we're going to have a chat to Caitlin as well. So a lot of people might know Caitlin from Southern Cross. She was Sky News and also Fox Sports. So she's come on board and also just bringing that female element into the office. We've got a few females, but she's, um, I'm sure, going to advocate, Ryan strongly for you to start calming your language down a bit in the office. So. Absolutely, Aldi. She might also write a script for us for this. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> she's not that good, I don't reckon. But anyway, and obviously I think you're going to talk to one of our corporates. Yeah, Daniel Freshney from Rapid Supply. So Rapid Supply, um, you might think that they just do some clothing and some chemicals and stuff like that. They're pretty big, mate. They, they've got uh, they've got gas. They've got um, so as in LPG and and bottled gas. They've got uh, tools. They've got they've got everything. So we'll have a talk to Daniel and um, and just make an awareness of what one of our corporate partners do. So he's a gold member, I think. Cool. We'll have a chat to to Daniel. So. That ends that first part. What we're going to do is we're going to get Caitlin Barry on now. We're going to bring, bring a sense into this. So we're going to get Caitlin on and talk about her role in comms media and what she's going to do for the THA and the industry going forward. So... Righto. It's good to have our newbie on board, our new media and comms specialist, Caitlin Barry. Welcome, Caitlin. Thank you very much for having me and great to be a part of the good team. So we've just told you a couple of minutes ago, you're actually going to take control of this podcast <laughs> moving needs forward. needs taking control of it. <laughs> I, I just want to ask you, at what point did you realise that you needed someone to take control <laughs> of your media? What event was it in the recent past it was about that you went, oh, I can't cope anymore, I need someone to do this for started me? started about 13 years ago. <laughs> so, Caitlin, uh, so obviously you started a couple of days ago. What's your Explain to our industry out there, what's your role? Uh, so my official title, which is very important, of course, is Communications and Media Specialist. So I'm going to look after all the internal and external communications for the THA. Main role is keeping Aldi in line, obviously, but I'm um, trying to push out some of those good stories. A lot of good work is done around this place and uh, the world is not told about it. And particularly on behalf of our members of what we're doing in the current time with all the challenges that are facing the industry, or sort of conveying those the, those issues to the wider public and, and hearing um, what our industry has to say, but also some of the programs that we've put in place um, in response to the challenges and also ongoing about uh, what good work 
that the THA are doing to support the industry and sort of lobby government as well as work in conjunction with government. Um, so, yeah, pushing some of those stories out and telling the world about how good we are. Have you worked out, so when he's at a media conference, right, <laughs> what signals have you worked out to make him shut up? <laughs> to, have you worked out something? You're out in the crowd. What, what's, the, what's the little, what's the gesture that you're going to go to? No, oldie, pull back, pull back. The older. Cut across the throat might be at the back of the media pack, have to just, or wind it up, just uh, roll the hand around to try and wind Oldie up. But I think the biggest issue with Oldie is he speaks at a million miles an hour, quite literally. He's got the highest word per minute rate of anyone, which is great in a, in a news, um, in right. broadcast news, because you're only getting a 15 <laughs> second grab. I've so been complimented by a lot of journalists yeah, that I can give them four good grabs in about 15 <laughs> seconds. It works for and the interview goes for a total of a minute. That's right. So. So, um, for those who don't know, yeah. <laughs> so those don't you know background. Let's just give us a bit of a synopsis where you've been, or where you started, and where you've been, and how how did we get you basically? So. <laughs> yeah. So I started my media and journalism career at uh, well Southern Cross News. It was then, but it's Seven Tasmania Nightly News currently. Uh, spent about three years there, sort of worked my way up a little bit and then uh, jumped across to Sky News um, for a sort of a national perspective, being the only, the sole person, being a, a video journalist here in Tassie, telling the stories of Tasmanians to the, the broader national and international audience. And then from there, um, went across to Melbourne, got an opportunity to, to go to Fox Sports News in Melbourne and work with Fox Sports as well in, a, in broadcasting of AFL and cricket. Um, so, which is one of my loves is, is sports. So that opportunity was too hard to pass up. And then, yeah, so I was there for, for two years and then my love of Tasmania brought me back. I do, I just love the lifestyle and the, um, yeah, what we've got on offer here in Tassie. So came back to freelance in media, journalism, hosting, presenting, whatever came across my path. And that's been really good for the last 12 months or so. Obviously COVID had a bit big impact on that in sort of the event space of those falling over. So it wasn't exactly a, a redundancy of um, it uh, put a full stop to it when COVID came in. It was sort of a gradual that things um, that I had lined up in a media space had sort of fallen over. So, um, yeah, we sort of have always thought of coming across to a media management PR comms sort of role and was looking for the right opportunity so and as I already said still looking for that opportunity <laughs> <laughs> grabbed her in the meantime but you're still you're still uh doing work for fox and basically for those that know your voice you do a bit for cricket tats yeah so i've done a little bit of commentary and um also yeah broadcast in cricket afl uh worked a little bit with triple m in the past and was hoping we'll get some afl this year but not to be but we'll still um hopefully pursue some of those opportunities in terms of a, a broadcast sport broadcast space um but yeah to couple that, if you like, with media management and um, working for an organisation that does really good work and I'm passionate about is really good and, uh, yeah, really good opportunity. And you do a bit in the event space, so we'll obviously get you doing um, separately, getting you to do a few events, but you, you are available. You do do a lot of event Yes, sort of yes, as events well. start to pick back. I'm certainly still working in, in that space. So when I say it's sort of fallen over, I haven't, yeah, given up on it by any stretch. So still pursuing, um, emceeing opportunities and events and hosting and those sort of things, which I really enjoy and... Um, yeah, still hoping to do a bit of that and, as I say, yeah, couple it with this type of work. So is it true that you got out of uh, Southern Cross because you're in the same building as Dave Noonan for so long? <laughs> Actually, it was a vote. <laughs> One of us had to leave. <laughs> I tried to get out the door and they just pulled me back in. 
I'm not sure why. Like, like the Sopranos. Until, of course, they did get rid of me. <laughs> which wasn't that long ago. It was ago. a ticking time bomb yeah. the whole time. They eventually boned you, but yeah, it just took a while. It took them a, while, it took it took a, a long time. So, Caitlin, really, what was he like, though? You, I know I used to go in there and do a bit of radio work and stuff and go in that building. He must have been annoying. <laughs> well, you can only have one big dog in the building, and he was it. So, no, nah, he's... Very good person to work with. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Nah, yeah. We had a lot of fun. <laughs> 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 yeah. Go on, David, speak. Nah, it, was, it was a lot of fun. The thing about it is being in a media environment, uh, look, it's loose. Uh, there are some really interesting characters and some big characters, and it really does make for a fantastic working environment. We had a laugh. So, come on, you're a journey. Ask Caitlin some questions. I know you're, burnt, you're smirking there as I'm okay. asking some so far away. I can't now. remember. Who do, who's your team, AFL team? Uh, <laughs> Come on. Well, Carlton, we'll go with. Yay. I'm Carl- a bit of a convert to Carlton, which, yeah, has, has been explained. So but my partner th- played for Carlton for a couple of years. Let's, let's run through your cred. Who's going to win the premiership this year? Uh, Brisbane. Oh, I don't see it. It's at the Gabba. Yeah, absolutely. Strong team, young team. Haven't beaten coming. Richmond at the Gabba. They haven't. In the last 12 years, something like that. Tasmanian connection in Fagan and, yeah. I'm a fan of Fags. Mitch Robinson. Mitch Robinson. (laughs) Okay, here's another question. Another good Carlton, ex-Carlton boy. Here's another question for you. Are we going to get, is Hobart going to get the uh, BBL hub? Yes, I'm hearing strongly that we're we're going to get a BBL hub. In fact, potentially the first BBL hub. I think Cricket Australia are, are trying to push and get an agreement from government, hopefully, to, to bring the BBL here. It's going to be like a, a bit of a travelling circus in that all the BBL teams come to one state and then they travel to the next one, next one, next one, maybe landing in Victoria eventually sometime next year. Um, but, yeah, I think we are going to get a fair bit of cricket, whether, you know, it'll depend on, on government situation of how many we can have in terms of physical attendance. Um, but the big question is over broadcast because that's all up in the air at the moment, particularly with the seven deal. That's so been, hasn't that been there's so? a bit of a catch-22 in that we can only have limited crowds but then you can't show it on free-to-air or it's not shown on free-to-air. It'll be a big um, issue in, in terms of Tasmanians who have been deprived a bit of sport this year, particularly in a local sense. So, one yeah, last one question. To watch. Uh, who's the greatest axeman that Tasmania <laughs> has ever produced? Well, I've already given him a little bit of stick, so <laughs> <laughs> I have to give him a couple of compliments. But uh, yeah, David Gerda. Foster, Matthew Gerda, <laughs> <laughs> he's the great man himself. Well, well, well we haven't got David Foster hasn't got a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, he can't. He can't say anything. <laughs> that was planned. So, Cullen, you've got a bit of a. You said a bit of a footy connection. So, obviously, Marcus Dave is your partner, uh, but you've also got a cricket connection. I think. <laughs> Uh, yes, well, it's Tasmania. We wouldn't be Tasmanian if we weren't related. My brother-in-law is Matthew Waite, so I was fortunate enough this time last year actually to go um, on the Ashes tour with my sister, obviously, and Matthew and their two girls. So that was a yeah extraordinary experience to obviously see us retain the Ashes, but yeah, go and see what cricket life was on the other side and um, from the family's perspective, and obviously I've seen it from a broadcast perspective, so... Um, yeah, it was really interesting and a valuable yeah experience, but not as glamorous as a bloody look. And I guess, and obviously under Tarchase Banner, we have Clubs Tasmania, which is obviously the sport community club focus. Obviously, you're going to play a role in the comm side of that for us, which I think with your connections and passion as well is going to be a fantastic thing. So Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's hard, pretty hard to miss Maury. He's uh, bouncing off the walls and he's pretty passionate to tell the stories of um, some of the clubs and, and community 
um, clubs around Tasmania. So getting some of those stories out in terms of grassroots funding and um, what the, the issues that they're facing and being able to be financially viable and, and thriving and getting participants in and obviously, yeah, getting getting crowds and those sort of things are, are current issues. But, yeah, he's got plenty of, of stories to tell that he hears firsthand. So being able to help him push those messages out and then, yeah, lobby government to chuck a little bit more funding and and get a little bit more money for those grassroots clubs. And obviously that only forms into, you know, or, or um, encourages participants at, at that junior level to become the next Matthew Wade or Mitch Robinson or whoever else we talk about because yeah. that's yeah where it starts, obviously. Caitlin, it's great to have you on board. You're obviously going to bring some sanity to this office. <laughs> and uh, as I said, the big assignment straightened me up, so I wish you the very best of luck with that. Um, but uh, it's great to have you on board. Obviously, your experience and passion. You've only been here a couple of days as well. It's been great. And um, I know the whole office is excited to have you. Because, and I think the industry should be excited because I think all the good news stories and the different stories out there the industry's got, we want to shoot them through to you as well and make sure that you're fully aware of them. So I think there's a there's an email address we've got. I think it's media at tha.asn.a. Now, that's obviously for media, but obviously for venues out there and stuff that have got uh, what they believe newsworthy stories want to get out there, either go through you, Rones, or get to Caitlin, and we can make sure that if they're... If if not media stories, we want to also publicise them out in our socials, etc. I assume, Caitlin, to get the stories out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to hear from industry members and non-members. And, um, yeah, don't be scared of, of the media. There's plenty of good stories to, to tell as, whether, as well as the negative stories. But, you know, we want to use talent from our own industry and really hear it firsthand as hand as much as Aldi loves to you know be a re representative and is speaking on behalf of the members it's great to hear you know firsthand out of um out of their mouth what they're actually facing and and what they want from government or, or elsewhere and yeah of course we'll lobby on their behalf but I'd love to talk to industry members about what they're facing and and how we can push that out in a media space 100% so we're going to judge Caitlin each episode to see over the months how much she's actually done so good to have you on board Right, our next guest is the, uh, everyone knows this guy, but he's our new or, uh, Deputy CEO of the THA, Brad Upton. Welcome, Brad. Thanks, Aldi. Uh, good to be here. Good to be on board. Good finally. to have you, mate. Now, so you've got a great background in the industry, obviously being, well, just finished, Lion State Manager. You were CUB before that. You've had, what are we talking, 25, 30? 25 years overage of being in the industry, roundabouts, but grew up in a pub when I started out a long time ago. So. Good to have you on board as a deputy, mate. Uh, there's a exciting job, and it's great to have you on board. Well, actually, Aldi, if he's the deputy, I reckon it should be me starting to uh, ask the the hard hitting questions. A bit like Mike Munro would on a current affair, really. I'll hand over to you then, Ryan. Uh, so between me and Foster, I reckon we can handle him, couldn't we, Dave? Uh, there's a chance. So, Brad, let's turn the clock back. Where where did it all begin? Where did it all begin? A long time ago, Nick. Uh, I won't give my age away too much <laughs> to many, but um, I grew up. I, Born into the pub, uh, Lewisham Tavern, actually back a long time ago. It was uh, the family pub uh, over 40 years ago, it would have been. Wow. So grew up above, uh, living above the pub, and that's where I think my love of the industry grew. And uh, love of Tassie, and I haven't left Tassie for the, the duration. Been fortunate to stay in Tassie and stay in the industry. So this is a, a good opportunity to, to stay with the, the industry and you know, support those people out there that have uh, probably yep, supported my, my livelihood over a long time. Well, I didn't know that actually. I didn't know that uh, you you you're part of the Lewisham Tavern. Uh, very good, very good. So, where uh, what was your first job? Outside of mum and dad's businesses yeah. and having to work there, um, that was probably the, the the first non-paying job. But the first paying job actually started at Pizza Hut. It was uh, 
back at high school. I um, was, I think, one of the youngest duty managers at Pizza Hut, managing their delivery drivers and the, the staff. I was that young, I didn't have a licence myself. Mum had to come pick me up when I locked the shop up at the end of the night. So Yeah, wow, okay. And and, and so from uh, from the pizza side of things, mate, what was next? Uh, after pizza came a few uh, hospitality jobs, so wait, wait staff. I started off in a business called Ishka, um, became Tug, I think, at the front of T42. I think it's... Uh, burger joint now from, yeah, okay. from memory when the company first developed that i uh, i worked for one of our, our members and board members parents at the salamanca inn for a little while uh, so worked for the federal group in a couple of their hotels and then uh drysdale took me uh on board for training and that sort of shaped my my future in the industry i suppose for one of better words and i went from there with an offer to, to teach uh decided that teaching wasn't my bag and <laughs> decided i get out of the uh the grind of the hospitality industry out of the, you know, the nights and early mornings and do a nine-to-five job, for want of better words, at uh, a sports store, a retail sports store for 18 months before the industry bug bit me again and I had to come straight back. So I didn't like, did not like retail, but um, I certainly did not like the hospitality, not being involved in the hospitality industry. So eventually ended up at um, one of the two major breweries? Yeah, well, I'm... I still think I got gifted that by default. I'm pretty certain that they were looking for my sister, I think, from memory at the time, to uh, offer her a job and she was working up in Daydream Island and I took the phone call at home and said, no, no, I've got a bloke in mind that might fit this job. And uh, the rest is history. I, I worked <laughs> I worked there for the best part of 18 years, I think, give or take, um, across the state, across different areas of their business. And the most life-changing thing I've done, you know, I, to present to, to boards uh, there, so the, the Foster's board, when they purchased Southcorp Wines and was involved in their sort of transition of that into the business. Uh, worked with the brewing team, worked very closely with them. I learned a lot about beer, worked with uh, marketing, and then obviously my, my favourite part of it, the, the sales team. So Yeah, right. And then and then obviously you're with Casca- uh, Cascade, or CUB, I should say, yeah. and then um, go across to the opposition, mate. How, how did that come about? Conversations uh, happen sometimes. Uh, it wasn't wasn't on my agenda. It was never on my plan. I think to, to move, but my sister was at line, and I think uh, she's probably been a good guiding force in the industry. If I've got an older sister who's a little bit competitive with me, so it's always been fun to try and challenge it. Uh, always heard about the culture of line. Yeah, great co- uh, you know, corporate partner of us, obviously at THA and and nationally of the AHA, but. Heard about the culture and um, didn't believe it, I suppose, but uh, an opportunity presented itself with, with an opening there and probably thought after 18 years, I, I've probably done enough at Cascade and CEB and I needed a new challenge and a new opportunity and yeah, I, was, I was thankful for that that opportunity they gave me and gave me a chance to, to run the, the sales team and, and do some new fun stuff and launch of St George, mate. The, yeah. uh, the proudest memory I'm going to have of that place is the fact that Bokes and George is back in Tasmania and yeah, it was because of some of the stuff that I got to do. So. Yeah, and going really, really well in the state. Is uh, yeah flying in the state at the moment. I think um, cans are out right now, just about. Yeah, wow. Okay, so now uh, THA mate. So this is a this is a new chapter. So um, excited? Yeah, like a kid at Christmas. I think, mate. I um, I gave eight weeks notice. Eight weeks is a long time to give notice and trying to wait for a you know, your new Christmas present to unwrap <laughs> it. So uh, I was glad to come on board. Yeah, you know, excited by the opportunities. Met some great people. Obviously, it's good to to meet more of the staff and understand what they're doing, more of the members, get a better understanding of their businesses, you know, not quite the conversation just about beer and wine and cider and, and that side of it to learn more about what they do and 
how we support them. So looking forward to the uh, the challenges that's thrown up and um, the opportunities, I think, for, for the CHA and for the industry moving forward. Beautiful. Dave? Yeah, well, um, I've actually been sponsored by both those companies so, uh, so Actually, i remember so i remember this is this is going i was back the on. ambassador for vb for a you're while also you're also the ambassador for han ice Dave, right. and i remember working at the salamanca inn back in the day there was you and i i think booney might have that been booney, there yep, yep. and i remember uh, servicing the function with these two icons of tasmanian sport in that room so that's uh, a long time ago yeah, it is a, a lot of years ago. between now and then yeah yeah, well, people uh, people wanted to uh, buy our ads as well. That's how bad they were, or, or our good. Uh... All righty, Brad. It's always good to have you on board, mate. We'll get you on the podcast a bit more, uh, and uh, obviously, there's going to be some good things we're doing. I think there's a lot of events you're working on already. We've got a few things coming up. There's a raft of issues um, that we've talked about already on the podcast that you're going to be involved in. And um, as I said, I think having you in the office with your background, experience, and knowledge in the industry and stuff is going to be unbelievable for us. So for everyone out there, um, it's really exciting for us. We're really excited about it. So it's good to have you on board, mate. Thanks, Aldi. It's uh, it's great to be here. Great to be on board. And yeah, I'm, I thought I was moving to an industry that didn't have as many hospitality events, but uh, my door is looking full. Pubs, pots, and profits on its way. Race days. Uh, I could got go on. Other, golf oh, we got some Collins SBA Collins events SBA with events um, to give some, some sessions uh, around member finance. education out there in the industry. So it's exciting, mate, and uh, looking forward to, to working with you and the team and, and our members, especially out there on yeah, on delivering the future. All good. Good to have you, mate. Okay, in uh, this week's Corporate Corner, I've got one of our gold um, corporate partners in Rapid Supply, and with me I've got Daniel Freshney. G'day, Daniel. Hello, how are you going? Yeah, good, mate. Um, now, you guys have been on board for uh, a touch over 12 months, I think, haven't you? Yeah, correct, yep. There's a lot of people out there that l- would look at um, Rapid Supply and see the name. Mm. They probably don't understand, especially our membership base, of, of yep. what you, you guys do. What, what, what do you do? Yeah, well, basically, I guess we're just trying to get our... We're trying to get our footprint wider in Tassie and get people to understand what we do. Um, we've just set up a new website to try and um, get that reach out there. Um, What's we, the website? So it's rapidsupply.com.au. Beautiful, good. Um, we've got five parts to our business. We've got a construction division. We've got a safety division. We have a hygiene division. We've got a mining division and industrial. So we play in a lot of space. Um, our idea is to be... Basically, a one-stop shop for uh, for an industrial site, so yep. we can supply the gas, we can supply their clothing, we can supply their chemicals for their cleaning, we can supply right down to their coffee cups. So, a lot of the guys, everyone, um, you know, it does become a bit painful when you're buying off twenty or thirty different people. So, we try and play in a competitive competitive space across across the wider sector of all those. Um, all those groups. So, hang on, touch on gas. So when you say gas, wh- yep. what, what sort of your gas? So the hospitality industry uses yep. a fair bit of gas, different gas. Yeah, yeah, we do all the post mix and, uh, and the CO2. Hey. Yeah, we've got a pretty good deal at the moment. So if anyone wants to touch base, give us a buzz. So how do they get in touch with you? Uh, they can email me at daniel at rapidsupply.com.au or, or uh, get online. There's a couple of num- phone numbers on on uh, on the on the website, and yep. the boys will be more than happy to help. So, yeah, we've got all that on hand. Um, that's a only that's a new line for us in the last probably. We started that just before COVID hit. Yep. Um, obviously, everyone went pretty pretty quiet in that market, but here we are again, going for it. So yeah, good on you. Touch. Feel free to touch base. 
Now I do know a little bit about the, the, um, the, the your company. Like I had a bit of a tour up there. Mm. Now you also have got your own um, embroidery machine and all that sort of thing. As yeah, well, we've got we've got a couple of embroidery machines now. We've got a pretty large screen printer. Yep. So we can do the screen printing um, for shirts. Do all the design. We've got a design team there that can put some designs together. Um, I prefer embroidery because it lasts longer. <laughs> but uh, no, we can pretty much pretty much do anything the guys want. Um, we don't really have a shop front at the moment. The guys are working on putting that in place. Yep. Um, just so we can, you know, everyone can come in, have a look, see what clothing we've got, how the systems work, all that. So we'll 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 try and we're going to do a lot of advertising around that coming in the next two to three months. So yep. we can get more people in. And plus, you're in the next edition of uh, of our magazine as well. Yes. So the hospitality review, which is good. Yep. Um. So what? Uh, uh, we've gone through the what what you do. So I suppose wh- why did you why did you decide to come on board with the THA as a corporate partner? Well, we've got a uh, first of all we've got an exclusive partnership with a uh, Australian chemical company. Yep. Called True Blue Chemicals, made in uh, made in Sydney. So we're the Tasmanian league for those guys, and we're doing really well in the mining and the uh, you know with some laundries, and yep. we just couldn't quite break into the into pubs and clubs, and we've got. Everything they need. We've got nice systems. We've got QAs, quality assurance um, staff on hand now. We've got tech guys. We've got installers. So we thought we'd put it out there. And we like to get in front of people rather than, you know, just send an email out. Yeah. Can we catch up? So if we can get in front of somebody, and and your uh, trade shows will perfect example of that. So people can see this is how we do our setups. This is how much money we can save you. This is how we do it. So basically, it was forced around the chemical. Chemical yep. hygiene, um, and especially with co- especially with the uh, COVID side of things, you, you, a lot of guys are going to need that reporting structure and to say your chemicals are in spec and we yeah. you know the, the just getting the get just getting the hospitality staff to understand how to clean, yeah, and making sure they're using the right products and um, and uh, using using all the right equipment so to speak. So hopefully we can get some more traction outside of that. And you know, and there's been no pr- price adjustments. All our pricing's been straight through, so guys yeah, okay. have really looked after us. So I suppose as well, anyone that's listening to, if if you want to get in touch with um, Rapid Supply, the best idea as well would be email myself, which is Nick N I C K at t h a dot dot au. Um, mate, moving forward, like like I know the background was mining. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, you got into mining, and then you've just branched out and branched out. How far can you go? Sky's the limit, really. <laughs> We've just uh, our first and foremost uh, priority at the moment is getting that rapid supply. Like we called, we called it called ourselves rapid supply because we could keep the the supply chain endless. Yep. Whereas if we named it uh, a company, like it was a unrelated. Com- yeah, unrelated. Yep. We couldn't we couldn't uh, go into this or go into that. But going into the mining chemicals, so our partners there, we were selling uh, big. Uh, truck wash to greasers and then they had all this hospitality stuff as well so we tried our hand at it you know we haven't been great at great at uh getting it going but now we're starting to get a good good format get yeah. some good staff on board and really get get uh get people in the hospitality market to understand how we do things mate the, the feedback that i've had from members that have um dealt with you guys has been really really good so you know credit to yourselves we just want to uh probably now reiterate that um for anyone that is listening out there 
go to our corporate partner page, which is on the THA website. So that's www.tha.asn.au. Go yep. to our, um, I think it's membership and corporate partners. You'll see a list of all our providers. Find Rapid Supply there, and there's a link, I think, straight to your website. So they'll, they'll find out a stack of information on what products you have. Yeah. I think next next month the guys are running, a, um, get in early, run the program where they'll set up logos and do the logos for free of charge for any THA members. Beautiful. So we only run that every now and again to... And normally, like a setup, cost can cost anywhere from fifty to hundred hundred dollars to digitise. Then yep. once you've got that, and then the logos can be from anywhere from, you know, ten dollars to fifteen dollars, depending on the size. And but you know, when you've got a lot of staff, it can be a lot of money. Absolutely. So. So there's an exclusive. We'll throw that out. Yeah, there's an exclusive deal. No one else gets that. Mate, fantastic. Um, thanks for being part of the corporate corner, and no thanks for being a gold um, corporate partner of the THA and. I appreciate taking the time out to come and see me, mate. No, we look forward to uh, to the next 12 months, that's for sure. Thanks. You've been listening to THA's Hospitality in Our Community, a podcast about industry issues and stories. If you have any stories to share or issues you think we should discuss, email us at podcast at tha.asn.au and they may appear in future episodes of the show. Make sure to share the episodes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. This podcast is a Glitterball Creative Production.